0: hey guys welcome back to the elevate podcast together we are setting out on a journey to better understand the world we live in through exploring various aspects of life including cultures faith finances and mental and physical health in the end my goal is the same as yours to elevate my life so get ready and join me on this growth journey Hey guys, welcome back. My name is Anna. I'm your host for the Elevate Faith podcast. Today we have a guest joining us. His name is Severin Anderson. Um, He's actually my boyfriend. Um, But, Sev, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: How's it going, guys? This is Severin. Um, I'm from California. I've known Anna for about 10 months now. Um, I have a military background and I'm currently working with wind turbines.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. And do you want to share with the audience a little bit about your faith journey?
1: Yeah, I've actually always been a Christian. However, recently I've been really trying to dive deeper into God and get closer to Him and develop my faith.
0: Thanks, Sev. So today we're going to talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, growing up, my grandma had a picture book Bible and uh, my favorite story in it was actually the parable of the Good Samaritan. However, I did not know how to say Samaritan, and so I would call it the bloody Man story. And after, if you know the story, you know uh, why I might have called it that. <laughs> anyway, let me give you a little bit of a rundown on the context of this story. So this takes place shortly after the story of Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and uh, right before uh, the trial and his crucifixion and everything happens. So while he is in Jerusalem, he is at the temple and actually um, a ton of religious leaders are questioning him. We see this in Matthew and in Mark and they're uh, questioning him, trying to trick him because they feel threatened by his authority, and so they want to ensure their power. And they're actually, uh, you know, it. Many historians think that they could have been trying to trick him up because, with the intention of getting him arrested, um, so that he couldn't um overtake them in power. Obviously, we now know the rest of the story, and we know that that was not um their his Jesus's intention at all, um. But at the time, they obviously did not know this. The next thing I want to touch on is what is a parable? A parable is a story that Jesus oftentimes uses. He teaches in parables, um, and it's a short story that uh, teaches a uh, point. Parables oftentimes use social and economic context, um, even locational Context to help um, the listeners understand the story more and understand um, what Jesus is trying to teach um, in ways that they would understand it. Anyway, so let's get into the story. I'm going to be reading Luke 10 25 through 37 in the New International Version. On one occasion, an expert in law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love the neighbor as yourself. You have answered correct correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jericho to Jerusalem when he was attacked by robbers. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. All right, Sev. So, what are your initial thoughts on that passage?
1: I thought it was a very good passage, and it drove home a couple points that nowadays you don't really see people practicing.
0: Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, our society is very individualistic and really pushes, you know, all everyone for themselves. So, I definitely agree with that.
1: Yeah, but I do have three questions that I have about the parable that I think people newer to faith will have as well.
0: Awesome, let's dive in.
1: So my first question is, why were there robbers on the road there to beat the man and take his clothes?
0: Yeah, so this is actually something that I was really unfamiliar with. Uh, And you really have to understand the layout of where Jerusalem is, where Jericho is, and even later on, it's important to know where Samaria is as well. Um, And really the three of these cities make a triangle, but in between um, uh, Jerusalem and Jericho is the road is really bumpy, really hilly, lots of valleys. And it was actually really well known at this time period for there to be robbers. It was a really dangerous journey um you had to be really what, like fit in order to to make the journey and um it was also really unknown, you know, to to not encounter robbers who would oftentimes take your clothes and um yeah, it was just really dangerous. And this was well known for Jesus's audience, which again is one of the characteristics of a parable.
1: Oh yeah, that makes sense. Especially since there's not a lot of people around to see the robbers and cover to hide them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that too, when this is taught to younger people, like in Sunday school, they don't mention things like this. And this isn't something that's super well known because obviously it's not directly in the Bible, but it's so important to understand um, why Jesus was using that specific journey. on that path from Jerusalem to Jericho um, in the parable.
1: Actually, since you mentioned Samaria, what is a Samaritan and why were they considered the bad guy or the enemy?
0: Yeah. So actually the Samaria, uh, so Samaritans came around, um, around the time of the Babylonian exile, which happened in the, the Old Testament. And um, the Samaritans were, instantly kind of like against the Jews because they um had different religious practices. They believed that you could worship in different places than what the what Jews believed that you could worship. And they also um didn't follow um all of the same laws like um some of the different things that you could eat um and or the ways you could dress. And also they were considered impure because they cross-married. So they weren't a pure race, if that's how you want to call it. Um, they were like oftentimes intermixed um, and they married different people and they were okay with that and comfortable with that.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty weird to me since that, that, that creates conflict back then because nowadays you can look around and a lot more accepting people are around and love and accepting of God.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that um, people are a lot more willing um, present day to accept people in different practices. But we even still see sometimes, you know, even within Christianity, different denominations saying like, oh, my denomination is the right way to do it. And um, I the Jews were s- super proud of being, you know, um, the Israelites, even if you go even further back, were super proud of being God's chosen people. And so sometimes they would walk around with their head held really high and um, would intentionally create enemies for themselves in this way. And I, I, like, like I said, I think that we can see people similarly um, doing that today, although it's probably not as common or as big of a deal for sure. What's your next
1: question? So Jesus mentioned people walking past the guy on the ground, Um, he said one was a priest and the other was a Levite. I want to ask a question about the priest later, but right now, what is a Levite?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question and probably oftentimes overlooked. Uh, If we go all the way back to Moses and Aaron, Aaron and all of his descendants were um, ordained to be the priests, um, for God. And so the Levites ended up actually being people who kind of served alongside the priests. Um, the Levites are uh, of the tribe of Levi, who is one of the 12 sons of Jacob and one of the 12 tribes of the Israelites. Um, anyway, so these, uh, this tribe, the Levites, uh, were supposed to help with things like um, sacrifices and to enforce things like tithing and things like that. They also um, served in a political sense as well. So it kind of crossed over um, religiously and politically, but very important guy uh, knew the laws of the Bible and um, how to treat people and still chose to pass by this uh, wounded man.
1: Yeah. So that kind of leads me to my next question um, about the priest a man who's devoted his life to God and is well aware of the laws, why would he walk past, walk, overlook the guy on the ground?
0: Yeah, so this is actually like a, a huge deal, and I think that that's what um, the significance that Jesus chose, specifically people who would have known the law and chose to overlook it. Oftentimes, um, people who are in higher positions, um, sometimes they let the power get to their head, or um, they feel like they're too important for some other tasks that might be actually morally more important. Um, so actually uh, for a priest, one of the priest's roles is to um, put oils over a dead man's body and um, bury him if they were to ever see one. And so this is even more significant, knowing that that is one of the duties of a priest that he continued to walk by, did not even check, because if this man is laying there and he's half dead, obviously he's not moving a ton or like begging for help. So if he didn't even go over to check to see, he specifically walked on the other side, pretending he didn't see him um, so that he could avoid that duty and continued to walk, which I don't think that that's all too far fetched from where we oftentimes see one another and even myself in our day to day life, where we specifically choose to ignore something that we should be doing or um, that God calls us to do. Um, You know, even like the homeless, where, you know, sometimes you try not to look them in the eye because it makes you feel bad and then you feel guilty for not giving anything. And, um, you know, oftentimes, like, okay, you should just give. Um, and give freely. So um, I think that's specifically why Jesus chose these people, you know, because we call ourselves Christian and we're still not acting like a Christian. These are, this is a priest and he's not acting like a priest.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can relate it to myself because things like that go over my head too. Um, I wouldn't say I'm in a position of power, but uh, overlooking somebody in need Um, and acting like you don't see them, I feel like is relatable to a lot of people nowadays, especially in the city.
0: Yeah, and I definitely, I mean, being someone who has uh, been a Christian my whole life and been raised in the church, and I know my Bible stories pretty well, um, I often find myself placing judgment internally um, on others and um, I don't necessarily vocalize it, but that doesn't mean that it's good to be thinking that I'm higher up or above them um, just because I've had the benefit and privilege of being able to be close to God for so long. Um, and I think that, it, you know, sometimes you need to revert back to the basics of what does Jesus really call us and what is he calling us to here why is this person talking about this close to me could god be calling me you know to use me to bring that person even closer to him or could this person could god be using this person to like remind me and humble me um right. in that moment
1: yeah and i definitely think it's a first step to realize that what you're doing in judgment even for somebody passing by that you see could possibly use the help or you know, go on to the next step and maybe reach out your hand and help them, and it could possibly help them.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, and if if we're even you know relating it all back to kind of like what we were talking about with like being a Christian or non non Christian, let's say you know the atheist is the one to help the man on the side of the road, like what does that say about the people who pass by and, um, you know, off all the time I hear that. Um, the biggest reason that I'm not a Christian today is because I've met so many Christians. I hear that from people who claim, you know, to be an atheist or agnostic or something like that. And um, I, I think that this story just rings true, you know, sen- sends at home that too often we we, we miss the mark um, and we miss what Jesus is calling us to and in the way that he's calling us to live. Yeah. While we're on the point of the Good Samaritan, I just want to like talk about um, how Jesus calls us into extreme belief and extreme faith. Um, You know, when he calls his disciples to be disciples for him, um, he says, You're going to be a fisherman of people, not a fish anymore, um, and to, you know, pick up and go and not to bring anything, to sell everything. Um, And he doesn't even, he even says, commands his disciples not to beg for. Money as they go, Um, so it just—it's kind of like this radical, this intense following, and I think that the Samaritan really shows this in that this parable too, because not only does he, you know, pick up and bandage the person, but he also then brings that person to um, an inn, and then doesn't just. Stop there but also pays for that person's stay because obviously this person doesn't have any belongings anymore and not only that but um denarii in this time two denarii would be two days wages like one denarii at this time period would have been one day's work so he like probably overpaid um and if he didn't overpay um he offered to still come back and pay more and completely cover. So it's just like um, really this radical kindness that Jesus calls us into that I think is also really important to know in this parable.
1: Yeah, and this story really rings home true to me because in the military, I was a medic and as a medic, you go through EMT training and through there I learned about the good Samaritan law and in the good Samaritan law it it means that any person shall be shall be able to deliver and give emergency care to a human even without the proper training without repercussions from the law. Uh so giving people the ability to help without if even if they messed up without getting in trouble.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's interesting. Um, so it's called the good Samaritan act because it's saying that you're just trying to help. You're just trying to do what's right. And really guys, Jesus knows that we're not going to be perfect, that we're not perfect. God knows that. Um, so really all he's calling us to do is to do our best and to try and do what's right and to try and follow what he calls us into and to try and listen to what he's telling us. Actually, Sev, so since you bring up the military, um, how how does it feel to think about, you know, all of your neighbors, even your enemies as people that you're supposed to love or show kindness to? Do you feel like this is like preached in the military or you would have to kind of go against the grain um, to enact and live this out?
1: Well, obviously, in the military, everyone receives their basic training and they're kind of trained to follow orders and go with whatever your higher command says um everybody you know they're human and they have their own individual ideas and some people aren't going to love their neighbor as themselves but i know a few people that in the military do practice god and you know they they try their best and
0: And that's all he's asking for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's not a lot, you know, you, um,
0: I think that that's a hard position to be in, um, because you really have to trust your higher ups that they're, you know, also people of integrity and, um, hopefully of God as well. Um, so that you can also know that you know, they're um, discerning, you know, what the right next move is, and that that's also what God's calling you into as well. It's hard, though, when there's a separation of church and state in that scenario, I guess, when there's lives involved.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate because, you know, they kind of drill into you. It's either you and your family or the enemy, and a lot of people pick the enemy instead of the people they know and love.
0: Yeah, and I mean obviously in that scenario that's that's hard, you know, I would I w- that would be a scenario where I'm like a uh, third party neither. <laughs>
1: yeah, all right. <laughs> if only.
0: But yeah, right. Yeah, in a perfect world, which, you know, that's how God intended it to be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think that that's all we have for you today, guys. I'm sorry that it was kind of a shorter um session but it is just a few verses in the bible that we're talking about and we just kind of wanted to dig into them a little bit deeper um unless you are driving i would love it if you guys would pray with me bow your heads fold your hands Hey guys, God, I just wanted to say uh, thank you for bringing us together in this unique uh, space for us to be able to connect with you, learn more about you, dive deeper into your word, and understand um, how you intended it um, better for um, us today and um, for future generations as well. Um, Be with us into this next week, and um, I just pray that we really listen to you and um where you're calling us to be in all of the unique situations um that might be approaching us or you know whether we need it or whether so you're using us to meet someone else uh we thank you so much for your goodness and grace and um for these amazing pathways that you use us and others for and in your name we pray amen amen All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you next week.